to the Hoops Temple Podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz. Joining me from Sacramento, Aaron Schroeder. Good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Joining us from New Zealand, coming off a successful crate day, Dylan Williamson. Good morning, Nate. And and um, ha- happy crate day to those who partake. For our American listeners like uh, Aaron and myself, who just found out what crate day is, can you give us a, a brief synopsis of Crate Day? Yeah, so Crate Day is a, a wonderful tradition in New Zealand. It's an unofficial public holiday where one Saturday a year, you gather around with your friends, you put on a barbecue, and over the course of about 12 hours, you attempt to drink the equivalent of 30 beers. Were you successful? I <laughs> 30 beers might weigh more than me, so I think it's a good thing that I didn't <laughs> attempt. <laughs> um no, I, I I couldn't make it early enough. If I did, I'm sure I would have been asleep by three o'clock in the afternoon. All right, next year Hoops Temple Crate Day, we'll live stream the whole thing. I'm telling you, our, our unique <laughs> locations. Uh, it'll be a live stream. We'll talk hoops and drink thirty beers. I'm down. We'll gather around in Nate's back backyard. We'll all get um twelve seven hundred and fifty mil beers, and we'll um. And drink it. What? What was it? And uh, a near lethal, a yeah. near um lethal lethal, yeah. <laughs> The Wikipedia page says that the amount attempted is near nearly lethal. I think maybe next Friday I'll give it a shot, and I'll I'll text you guys <laughs> while I'm doing it. <laughs> live updates. Just give you live updates after each beer. Finishes finals. He's like, all right, let's do this. No, seriously. I mean, like. Yeah, I drink a little bit on the weekends, but then like by my school's almost done at that point. Let's celebrate with the crate day. Oof. I uh I'm thirty one now. My liver no longer bounces back as quickly from like five strong IPAs. I cannot imagine doing a crate at this point. So uh Yeah, this this is this is an all ages event. Um ideally eighteen plus, but you know this this is <laughs> This, this is not just <laughs> this is not just young men, you know. You, you you can go right up to you know. Wait, what's the drinking age in New Zealand? 18. Uh, it's, yeah, eighteen to buy. Eighteen to eighteen to buy is it? You can't drink it though. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can you can um drink it younger, but you just can't buy it. Can't buy it. Okay. Yeah. I'll let you guys know. Can I do like a twisted tea? Because that's a lot of carbonation. I feel like that would be my biggest my biggest battle. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I that's that's that, probably the hardest thing is that it's like yeah, that's a lot of a lot of yeast in your yeah. in your stomach. Yeah. Maybe I'll put you to it sleep. Out. Can we do like the alcohol conversion from the beer to like whiskey, and then I'll drink the equivalent whiskey? Because you could like, just do thirty shots if you want. <laughs> it's about the That'll it's work. about the liquid. <laughs> the liquid intake is kind of the, the big deal. I went to a friend's uh, like a friend's giving for Thanksgiving uh, yesterday. And, you know, I, I brought a fifth of wild turkey bourbon because we, we needed turkey at the party. And I felt like that was a, a good pun and I appreciated it. I don't know if anyone else did, but I drank the fifth. Not the whole fifth, but we finished it. How'd you feel? So, uh, yeah, good times. Good times. Good. A little rough this morning on the dog walk, but yeah, still got up at 7 and walked the dogs. So No big deal yeah. then. No issue no, at all. No big deal. You could do that every day. No, no. <laughs> What what is a fifth? How much how much um volume is that? Uh, oh, what are you talking? Is that like a, a fifth of an? You, you, listen, of an you're asking ounce, Americans to explain uh, <laughs> how much our, any of our measuring stuff is. It is. Uh, what, what is it, it a fifth of? Seven hundred and fifty milliliter bottles. Usually, okay. it's of, of liquor. Yeah. Okay. If, if we're talking about an eighth, then I don't know what that is, but fifth is. Um... <laughs> All right, who cut off the rails? All right. <laughs> All right. 
let's let's talk top 100 stuff. We wanted to come back. We wanted to revisit our uh, off-season rankings. Kind of, you know, hey, who were we too high on? Are they going to write the course? Who were we too low on? Are they, uh, is this sustainable? Uh, gentlemen, do we want to start at the top, the bottom, the right side, the left side, the inside, the outside? Aaron, Dylan? I'll take the inside. I wasn't here for the top 25. I was off camping and you guys took it over. In my initial rough draft of this list, I had De'Aaron Fox at 14 and Demonis Sabonis at 27. You guys landed with Sabonis at 20 and Fox at 23. Do you guys? Would you guys take mine right now? Right before this, what I was quickly trying to throw together was um, a combination of counting stats, points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, and um, VORP, basically. De'Aaron Fox, on average... Uh, Vorp versus average um, points per game, whatnot, ranking them all. He actually came out 23rd. So I think we did exactly right on De'Aaron Fox. Is this the Nate Goodness scale? Uh, <laughs> this is just... That's interesting. My my Aaron Goodness scale has Fox at 9. So I don't know what numbers you're, oh, yeah. you're putting together. <laughs> ah, come on. Missing it's like a multiplier. Games. It's like plays for the Kings, all stats to the power of 1.5. It's not, it's not all too... Well, the thing, I mean, like looking at it... Um, he is averaging 30 points a game, if anyone's interested. And he's also shooting 40% on pull-up threes this season, like 37% overall. I think Fox should be in the top 15. But I think having... I, I, would, I wouldn't have had Sabonis over him really at any point. Then he hasn't. And Sabonis hasn't been as great as he was last season. And so I think uh, I think closer to 30 for Sabonis, closer to 15 for Fox is, is right. Yeah, that might, might be fair. I, I always feel like Sabonis unlocks the offense in such a way yeah. that... Um, we hadn't really seen Fox do, but I think Fox is doing it this year. Yeah, I see that. The, the, I mean, the thing that this season is Sabonis, like he has the assist numbers, but his the, the off on numbers suggest that the Kings aren't any better offensively when he's out there, um, which has been a little tough to see. Where last season, like it just all kind of ran through him, but this season, like obviously our offense is is still pretty good, but it's like average and. And it's just not very good when Sabonis is on the floor, which is interesting. Yeah, that was probably like one of my biggest misses from the offseason as I really drank the Sabonis Kool-Aid um, with Jokic. What happened? Getting like, to like the, I know. You're in the right spot. With Jokic, becoming the, <laughs> with Jokic becoming the best player in the league, I was like, maybe you can just be a really good offensive center and not that good on defense and still win championships as he like freaking did. Um, and so I like, like both of you said, I thought... This is the number one offense. This is the guy I think that really makes it work. Um, and so rewarded him as such. And then immediately, like a few games into the season, I was like, okay, yeah, no, this was, it was De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. Is that is that why you brought up this topic? Because you just wanted to get back to Fox and Sabonis. <laughs> You're like, listen, um, we, yeah, we got to bring this back up. Why else would I have brought this up? Shoehorning Kings stuff. He's averaging 30 a game. <laughs> what do you want from me? I mean, listen, what Fox is doing is really impressive. I thought it was interesting. Um, we've got a kind of group chat with the other TikTok creators. Jokic Joestar put out there, hey, who are your guys' top five MVP candidates? Is there Fox for MVP buzz? I feel like that is a bit premature, but not insane. Like, like the, And I think that does say something about him. I know when Dylan and I were working on the top 25, we were kind of like, I don't know if LeBron is going to be a top 10 player this year. We know putting LeBron, Kawhi, and Jimmy Butler all outside that top 10. But we're like, who is going to step in and who is going to be those guys? And I think, I think there's a chance that, hey, we end this year and maybe looking at next year, Fox definitely top 15, but potentially maybe even top 10, depending on how we're feeling about some more of the legacy guys as... We see how, I mean, I think Kevin Durant's playing fantastic right now, but I don't know if he's going to hold up. Uh, and 
he doesn't hold up, there's more room in top 10. Is Curry going to be able to stay top 10? And like, they're both playing good now, but there's room. Hmm. And just like eyeballing it, top, eyeballing it, top, top 15 seems about right for Fox right now. Yeah. I mean, guys, guys we had above him. <laughs> And then, and then Sabonis back into like the 60s. Yeah, back in the 40s. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm, I'm like, I think like, honestly, let me look back. Yeah, like, I don't know, 30, 35, 30, 30, 30-ish, 30, mid-30s. I think there's like really easily, quickly identifiable six guys in our 11 to 17 range who just should not be there based on what they've performed like this season. That's... LeBron, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, and then by virtue of not playing yet, John Moran. That's a lot of free real estate right there for the likes of Fox or Anthony Edwards or um, Halliburton to kind of jump into. I wanted to ask you, Dylan, we had Kawhi at 11, which I felt totally fine about heading into the season. What have you seen so far and uh, where do you think you'd have him now? It's been been a little bit rough for Kawhi because... um. For the, for the Clippers team to succeed, the idea is that Kawhi is just like this guy who's just going to turn it on in the playoffs, turn into Toronto Raptors Kawhi again and carry an offense, which like those flashes, he still showed those last season. Like there were times where like, he's like, okay, I'm taking over, I'm getting to my spot and there's just nothing you can do about it. Um, and I feel like, you know, I don't know if the stats lay this out, but the eye test says those moments haven't really been there this year. And for the most part, I think Paul George has been the better player. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul George, who we had, you know, sort of in the lower teens. And so, yeah, but like Kawhi outside that top 10 was probably a good call. Um, probably should drop down a little bit lower. Uh, but on those guys that we mentioned, those Kawhi, LeBron, Jimmy Butler, Damian Lillard, those guys that we're saying should be dropping down. Um, I think part of if we were making the argument, which we were before the season, is that these are playoff players. These are guys who have shown that they can step it up in the playoffs. And when we're talking, you know, the first X number of games into the regular season, I think it's important not to lose track of the fact that we were giving these guys credit for being excellent playoff players. That's true. When we made this, the playoffs were by far the freshest thing in our mind. And like Jimmy Butler started super slow. The Heat started super slow. Like they're coming on. And what's going to resonate with us is like kick-ass playoff series. And you're not going to get that from Tyrese Halliburton, probably. Um, like with the pay, whatever the Pacers finish, or um, you're probably not going to get that from Luca if the Mavs are falling into the play-in or something. But with like Jimmy Butler can make a conference finals, like that's a whole different conversation again. Nate, I wanted to ask you. We had Anthony Davis at seven. How do you feel about that? The games where he's kick ass, hundred percent deserves that seven. The games where he's not kick ass, uh, I don't know, like fortieth. Uh, just, just for, just for like a loose placement. Of him, because I mean, 40 is probably even generous at that. I, I'd say overall, we have gotten more kick-ass games than non-kick-ass games, but probably needs to be somewhere closer to 20. Just, I, I was hoping this would be the year that he steps into kind of the number one moniker, and he really has not done that. Yeah, we we all ranked him, well, I don't know about Aaron, but we, we pretty much were in agreement that he, like, this is the year that he's better than LeBron. Like, LeBron can't just keep doing this. He's already falling. He's descending. That's going to continue. Anthony Davis showed this really high level in the playoffs, um, showed what he can be. And so this is clearly the year that he's going to take over. But that really hasn't happened. And the Lakers are still struggling with that thing that they've always struggled with, which is, in fact, any LeBron team has struggled with, which is when LeBron's not on the floor, they turn into the worst team of all time. (laughs) Uh, They're... You know, awesome when LeBron's on, and then Anthony Davis trying to run the team, they turn into the Bobcats. And so, 
I don't I really struggle to give him a top 10 position and to justify being over LeBron when partly because like you're saying those dominant moments aren't consistent but also just the fact that consistently with you know LeBron is still the only one that makes this team work yeah I do really like what we did with uh Austin Reeves um because I feel like some people were really excited for Reeves and, and like jump to throw him I don't even know if it's quite on top 50s but but like th- there was a push to have him higher um I I saw when we posted this we're like 61 and people like name me 60 players better and i'm like you know he's fine um coming off and captaining that bench role and being the secondary creator when lebron is off the floor or like taking over primary creation when lebron's off and being secondary with him on that's a good role for reeves and i'm I'm glad we didn't over evaluate or over get over excited for what he provided in the playoffs i think he's been great for uh for his role me and Nate had talked briefly about the six man of the year race. And I think Reeves is basically the only other offensive creator on that team that I like, because I really don't like D'Angelo Russell. I mean, he, he murdered the Pistons. That was pretty cool. Really quickly. I, I had a, uh, I had Anthony Davis in ninth for my own, uh, my own rough draft. So we, we were all pretty on target, but I had him above LeBron and, and, and Dylan was right in the fact that I think we anticipated him to be, you know, number one, it had been, one and two and then it's like all right is this one a one b is this ever going to be one and two flipped with davis at the one and that's not happening lebron is going to be 40 years old and we're, and that's still not going to happen at this point anthony davis is too old to make that transition with the way his body has yeah. been the um the ninja turtle splinter for the, um, <laughs> that's, the, that's the best one <laughs> still lebron <laughs> oh um, gosh I'm looking at, uh, I kind of just slapped actually threw together some statistical rankings for these guys to, to you know, kind of give us some broad strokes of who we were too high on, who we were too low on. Um, and, and in that, Aaron, your goodness scale may differ. But the top 10 came out as Nicole Jokic, Joel Embiid, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Tyrese Halliburton, Giannis, Luca, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and Tyrese Maxey, who we had had Maxey down at 48 uh, before the year. ESPN put him at 42. How are we feeling about Maxey right now? Where where are we at? Is this a top, I mean, definitely not top 10. That That's over-evaluating it, but where would you guys place him? Like top 25 seems about right for someone like Maxey. I mean, the the... The hot starts are the are the biggest issue in the in the NBA in terms of ranking players. But he gets to the line. He shoots the three really well. He is a blur. He's so fast, um, and he passes the ball well without turning it over. I mean, he's at this point he's probably I mean I had to think, but one of the best second options in the entire league and behind Embiid and, and fits in that role really well because he doesn't need the ball like Harden did last season. So looking at it, we had like Jalen Brunson at twenty five and. I think that's that's like that's kind of his uh his range. He's gonna be an all star this year. Yeah, well, and I hate to say Jalen Brunson is a number one option. Uh, that's yeah, that's true. I mean, that's unless, true. Unless, unless you're just really gung ho on Randall, which yeah, who were they playing? Uh, they were playing the Raptors the other day, and I really like who's gung ho on Randall. <laughs> <laughs> Randall Stock. I do like like Randall. I just like it when he doesn't shoot. I like it when he bullies his way in and then makes a good pass, which is still like a, a two to one chance that it's it's a good pass versus a turnover. So, you know. Well, he started the year shooting like 22 percent 
in the first 10 or so games. Yeah. And then after that, he had a stretch where he actually was pretty good. Like he was scoring effectively and the Knicks are winning. The Knicks have been winning, but his numbers are never going to recover from, from that like Eisenhower era basketball that he was, uh, that he was throwing up. Two other really interesting names um, that were in the top 20, that quick statistical formula um, that were pretty far down on ours. Scotty Barnes, 57 and Alperin Shangoon. We had it 97. And ESPN yeah. left off entirely. Casey's like the 20th best player per this model, which, you know, threw together in three minutes. For me, I had Barnes 18, Shingun 19 in the stats. Also, Maxi was 15. So um, God bless the small sample sizes. But I think that's that's not f- totally far off. I mean, Shingun last season was just, well, the Rockets were the worst team in the league or one of the, like, mm-hmm. the worst team in the league. And, and he was just, he was kind of fun. But how fun is it when you lose by 30 each night? But he's translated that into winning basketball and he's uh he's scoring really efficiently and he's passing better and like honestly defensively he's been fine like i think he's just so stocky and so strong that he is just able to kind of be a presence down there yeah that's that's the biggest thing for me is that in in ranking this guy just could not foresee a way in which his defense would be good enough to have a decent defense but the houston have been awesome on defense and that you know isn't some sort of anomaly that changes when he's not in the game or um when he is so he's shown that he can be part of a successful defense and was you know always the sort of budding offensive hub Mm -hmm. he's gone from 15 points and nine boards and four assists to 21 points and nine boards and five and a half assists on 54 percent shooting and he's shooting 32 percent from three but 2.8 attempts is like that's enough for people have to think about it i will always say like defense rim protection is better than anything else but getting some guards out there who make you not have to defend the rim as much has a lot of a lot of, of impact and a lot of value still like Fred lead two years ago maybe it was last uh, two seasons ago one season ago was his first or second in the league in deflections um a lot of the really you know more defensive hustle metrics really like what Van Vliet brought. It was charges, it was deflections. Um, and I think just taking some of the pressure off of Shangun, where, hey, he doesn't have to jump with these guys and contest as many shots, but he, he just has to move his body and get into the right position, has done a world of good for his defensive abilities. Yeah. One thing that I'd really like to see in a stat become publicly available, I don't know if it really exists or not, um, but it's just like uh, pick and roll defensive stat which is like what percentage do you get over the screen what percentage do you go under what percentage do you switch because i imagine that fred van fleet must be like near the top of the league and getting over screen percentage um which is like what you need when you don't have a um you know really elite defensive anchor yeah just stay with your dude oh yeah, i was gonna say van fleet's another guy that i think might have i mean he did kind of outperform where we ranked him we put him at the 47th uh i think i think you know, looking at some of the metrics, there's probably a good case that he's a top 35 guy. Where did he end up for me? Um, I had him uh, 44. Yeah. But um, right. so on 47 the, uh, wasn't that far off. On the on the well, the current list, yeah. Um, it's I feel like we're in the upside down world where Houston's offseason actually makes a ton of sense, <laughs> and they they nailed it, and they brought in two like really gritty defensive players that could space the floor and could create offense on their own. Um, I mean, Van Fleet is is averaging close to to 10 assists per game, isn't he? Right. Yeah, and and like he's he's just I mean we wanted that for so long a guy that could get Jalen Green and Jabari Smith and um and Shen Goon and um 
the other players that they have who, who who's the, there's a fourth one isn't there <laughs> <laughs> or is it just those Jabari three Smith. young guys Jar- i said jabari smith green and shin okay. yeah that's that's uh, the core there's, okay there's eason yeah that's all sorry sorry but to, to make like, <laughs> so, sure um to get jalen green 28 year old jason to make sure those guys didn't have to like run the entire offense on them on by their own because they're really not cut out to do that and, like here's a guy who gets like who could get 15 assists in a game and just and run the offense really well the one knock against van vliet is that houston's offense hasn't been really great and it's even worse when he's on for some reason um it gets it's abysmal when he's on and just bad when he's off. And so like that's maybe hinting at something, but I think the defense is the big thing that that's the way Houston succeeds and he's a big part of that. I'm I'm willing to guess that what that is is when he's on, you're also got him and Jalen Green, and having two kind of inefficient shot chuckers doesn't go as well. Uh having one mm. of them on, nope. kind of get by. Yeah. The um three point percentage for Van Fleet getting back up is is very good though. That's that's the way that he's able to add value is volume three point shooting and he's back up to the high thirties after being in the you know sort of mid to low thirties. He made Doka such a great coach. I'm gonna give credit to Hoops Temple guest star Montaigne. Called that out in the offseason said that Imodoka would change the Rockets culture and that was a great take because I think a lot of us just hated their offseason and thought it was stupid and like oh yeah but they brought a new Doka but I mean you saw him get ejected last night against the Lakers like not that I like when the coach gets ejected but he he's fucking tough man like he gives a shit he cares about winning and it's like it's obvious that that's kind of brought over and the guys guys who also really care about winning Van Fleet and Brooks like totally have have shaped this team it's it's hard when you go from like such a development phase and you're bringing this coach and like, listen, we got to develop the young guys because development, development and winning very rarely coincide. It's, we have to give men's guys who are probably not our best options because we want to be better in the future. And Ime has not been under that pressure at all. He has been fully unleashed to play his guys as much as possible. Like I've seen a lot, a lot of criticism of Monty Williams and how he's handled the Pistons. I don't think he's handling them great. But also, I, it wouldn't shock me if there is some sort of management or front office, hey, we really need these draft picks to hit, so you really need to play these draft picks a lot because he's just he's not giving any minutes to established players. Like, Joe Harris is completely out of the rotation and looks like he was just there to get the picks there. Um, they finally got Bogdanovich back. And the whole team would, would make a lot more sense if they were playing some of these veterans. I don't want to say the Pistons should do the Rockets model, but... You might need to. Yeah, you got to get some veterans out there who can play. I want to note about the Rockets. I mean, we mentioned that they're going to win and develop, but I mean, they're still probably going to get to like 32, 33 sure. wins. I mean, they're eight and nine. It's not like they're going to make the playoffs and and uh, and and develop all these guys. But I mean, the Pistons have currently lost 17, 16, 17. Yeah, by the time people listen to this, it'll probably be, you know, Twenty-five. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. Where's the Pistons' losing streak end? I mean, I, I... they play Memphis yeah. soon. They play Memphis soon. They got Bogdanovich <laughs> back. They almost beat Cleveland. Any day now, they're gonna pick up a win against another team. I'm in person watching the Wizards game. Them play the Wizards, <clears throat> and I'm looking out there. I'm like, man, Nilo Gallinari is kind of nice, right? Like, uh-huh. yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, that. Uh... That's a sad place to be at when you you're thinking, man, Danilo. Hmm. There's there was a moment where he like wasn't quite a punch, but it was like he shoved uh, Denny Avdia because Avdia was complaining and missed getting back on a rotation. It just like goes over and, like hits him, 
And he's like yelling at him, pointing to get back. He's like, you're nobody. You're not going to get star calls. Get back and play defense. And then they went on this big run. And I was like, man, we need someone to do that. Get in, get in the young Pistons face. But. We got to mention about Washington. We had Jordan Poole 77th. And we were pretty low on him. Way off. Way too off. High. He's not too way high. too high. I just, I find it so funny that the only thing keeping Jordan Poole from giving a shit was like the Warriors culture. And as soon as he was out of that, he stopped rebounding. He stopped playing any sort of defense. He stopped passing. Pablo Escobar made a video and they he, they tracked they tracked that Jordan Poole took 26, 26 shots. And I think these numbers are, are close to right. It was like 26 shots and 25 passes. Not not 25 assists, 25 passes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just he's playing a, a a wild brand, an unserious brand of basketball. Yeah. I think the my favorite number about Jordan Poole is that when he's on the floor, um, his team is the worst in the league. Like there's no player who is worse when he's on the floor than Jordan Poole is. Um, and he also has the biggest differential between his on off. And so no player drops their team's um, uh, net goodness. rating more than Jordan Poole does. Jeez, man. He has the worst win shares in the league. Just, just straight up. 491 players. He is dead last which you know winters aren't everything but to be dead last at anything not not a good spot to be in yeah cleaning the glass has a cool step which is the expected win based on your on off which is you know sort of how many wins are you adding or taking away from your team um jordan paul they rate at negative 42 so he is single-handedly <laughs> losing his team 42 games <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Box plus uh, minus, second to last, Vorp dead my last. God. Like what you said there about passes, Aaron. You watch him play, and if he's not actively having the ball, he's completely uninvolved in the offense. It's not like 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 you can have the ball and you can drive and you can kick and maybe they don't shoot it. But like you've still generated something. No, if he does not have the ball and not trying to score, he is just off in la la land, completely not paying attention it has been so rough <laughs> he doesn't rebound he doesn't defend he doesn't facilitate all he does is score and he's awful at that he's horrible at that currently he's averaging 17 points on 39 29 85 splits with three and a half assists and 2.8 rebounds um i would do like to say though right above him on our list was kyle kuzma kyle kuzma actually not bad <laughs> and, and like i think i admit it I, I think I'll admit it. I would rather have Kyle Kuzma than Barnes. I think the Kings made a mistake. I was really happy we didn't sign Kuzma. I feel like like the only reason they've won a single game is because Kyle Kuzma heats up occasionally. He took care of the Pistons. Took care of the Pistons. He's 24 points in six boards and four and a half assists on 47, 36, 82 splits. I mean, it's, it's good stats, awful team, but it's not like Jordan Poole stats. I just, I don't know. I have Kuzma stock still. Uh, my wife asked me, so we went to that game and Kuzma played really well. And uh, my wife asked like, hey, is Kuzma known for doing this? Like, was this kind of a unique game? Was that? And I was like, actually, what he's known for is wearing a giant pink sweater. And... Got that shit on, man. <laughs> Got that shit on. <laughs> so now she Googled that and has like joked about, oh, I should buy a pink sweater like that. Like a couple of times. Uh, a couple of our biggest misses were Pistons players. We stuck Jaden Ivey in at the tail end absolutely hasn't been there i i tried to lobby for Cade to be higher Cade has been rough i'll defend Cade a bit can i defend Cade for a second yeah 
He has the worst supporting cast in the entire league. He has the worst spacing in the entire league. They're the worst three point shooting worst, team. Worse than Kyle Kuzma? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Wizards have the like Corey Kisper would play forty four minutes per game in Detroit. Um I feel like with Cade, he's been able to facilitate and, and get his own shots to a rate that I'm pretty happy with. And I think, what do we have him in the top 50? That's probably too high. Yeah, it was 43. Yeah, and so maybe back him up just a touch. But honestly, I feel fine about that. Like I think if any any player of his stature were in his position, they'd probably be just as bad. Yeah, he's, he's doing all he can. Um, I, just, I wish the offense was somewhat more efficient. Um, he does settle for a lot of mid-range, mid-range shots. Um I wish you would take it to the line more. Like you're shooting 20 shots a game, and you're only getting four free throws. The Pistons have the worst free free throw differential in the league. Like, come on, Cade. At some point, the the refs are just gonna take pity on you. Just just attack. They'll take pity on you. Cade's most commonly played lineup is Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, Asar Thompson, Beef Stew, and Jalen Duran. So that's like three and three quarters of a non shooter. Yeah, seriously. I mean, we're, we're like this. This is not. <laughs> it's not a lot of spacing for that poor dude. They got Bogdanovich back, which is which is fine. Like, I think he's not going to turn them around. But I think it's a difference between like a three and fourteen stretch or seventeen straight losses. Um, and I think I think they'll pick up a win pretty soon. It, it depends what you mean by turn around. Like they're on like a eight eight win pace at the moment. Um, maybe with Bogdanovich, they get into the twenty. So I'd call that a turnaround. Honestly? Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I love hearing for about sure. how bad of a draft this is going to be, too. Just, you know, kind of looking ahead of, oh, maybe we'll get someone. We need a bad draft. <laughs> it's it, We're so due for a bad draft. That's the thing. I, all these drafts have been so good. The league is so stacked. We need a 2000s draft again. I, I was thinking about how good this draft was. There's a lot of guys I think could compete for top 100 status next year. Because we don't we don't put in rookies, but I'm just gonna read names, and you tell me when you think one of these guys won't be a t- top 100, or at least you know knock on the door for top 100. Victor Wembanyama, yeah. Chet Holmgren, I'll be in there. Jaime Hawkes Jr., Brandon Miller. No, I'm, uh, no. I mean, our hundredth ranked player was like it was Valanciunas, um, Jaden Ivey. Yeah, yeah. I think you know it, to be a hundred, you only have to be you know better than I could picture getting those guys in there. Um, Derek Lively, you got to... You gotta, you got to be like a clear starter. Yeah. All right. Maybe, maybe in a couple of years, some more of these guys. But like, <laughs> I've really enjoyed this rookie yeah. class. You know, yeah. I was on the Jordan and Hawkins kick last week. Um, just watched OKC Dallas earlier this morning. And like, Lively's, Lively does what, what you want him to do. He catches lobs really well. Um, he gets to the middle of the paint and will do like the one dribble finish. Um, and, and like Chet was there contesting and he, he, you know, wasn't straight. I have no moves. He had a little bit of a step and also had like some in air acrobatics to his, his finishing and blocked a fair number of shots. So yeah, the draft has been pretty good. Although you got to mention it. You got to reflect Scoot Henderson's really bad. Dude's really horrible. <laughs> I am not worried in the least. That's funny, Nate. I was going to text you if you wanted to sell low on Scoot for your Dynasty team. I guess I'll take that as a no. No. I'm terrified. Okay, the thing is, I've I, if anyone said, like, hey, point guards take a long time to develop, um, it's me. Like, I, I made that video a bunch of times over the offseason, in the early season. Like, it's this is, this is like, the Blazers are going to be terrible, and it's going to be because Scoot Henderson's out there, and that's totally fine. Um, but watching it happen, I mean, he is the most, he's like a lost puppy. He's the most lost player in the NBA. Um, I worry that he has like negative feel for the game. 
And also, I just don't think he's been the biggest issue is he's he just hasn't really been the athlete that's been advertised. I felt like it was kind of like, hey, like this is like a John Morant, like with De'Aaron Fox speed and he's not that fast. And he doesn't jump that high. And like, I just haven't have not seen it. He's shooting like what? Seven percent from three. Can we check on that? Seven percent. He's on a he's on a real hot streak. Uh, someone pointed this out to me um earlier, but do you know what Darius Garland averaged for his first ten games in the league? Ooh. I remember I I do kind of remember it being bad. Eight point six points per game, three point seven turnovers on thirty two percent field goal percentage, twenty-five percent from three. That's that's basically exactly where Scoot's at right now. Nine points, four assists. 35% field goal. Like, we, we've seen this. And it hasn't been a death sentence. It's not like he can't recover from these numbers. Um, and, and when I watched him play, I watched them play the Jazz. He has the feel. Um, and they had a bunch of positive minutes with him out there where he just didn't do anything dumb. And I think that that means a lot with, with a lot of rookies. I'm like, hey, can you just avoid making stupid mistakes? And he did that for for good stretch in the second quarter there. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar. I'm not going to say that he'll be half the player Damian Lillard ever was, but like, I I just don't want people to overreact to a poor start and be like, ah, he's doomed. He's done. Hmm. Um, I think the biggest concern with him is lack of touch at the rim. Um, Thinking of athletic point guards in the past, do you think that touch is something that really develops with time? Like not shooting touch, but just like touch finishing at the rim. Is that something that guys just have or is that something that they do develop? I think it's something you can develop or not can develop, but I think it's something that is a big adjustment. I mean, the U.S. college game, which I guess he didn't play in college, he played in the G League. And I have no idea what the G League heights look like, um, but there just aren't that many seven footers. And so like it's not typical to go up against teams that have multiple six ten seven footers really until you get to the NBA where the talent's so condensed. And so I think that does really affect your finishing. I mean, you know, he has to go up against Walker Kessler now. That's a that's a big, big man. I've got the um bottom five in Ephraim field goal percentage um throughout the league as soon as it filters with this huge amount of data that it's dealing with. Um our bottom five, Cody Zeller, kinda of rough for a big man. We've got Otto Porter, who's at this point, totally washed as a um athlete. We've got good friend. Where are we? Okay, it's struggling with the data. Here we go. Here we go. Royce O'Neal, non-athlete. Got Skylar Mays, and the worst field goal percentage at the rim in the entire league is Scoot Henderson shooting a crisp thirty-eight percent. Hasn't been great. And he attacks the rim. I think it's something I've noticed. Like he plays for calls a lot. Like he he drives mm-hmm. to the rim and like like strong contact instead of just like. Let's make the layup first. Let's get the layup made, and then we can worry about the other stuff. Um, I'm not going to bury him, and, and I'll be patient, obviously. But uh, I mean, would you guys rather have Brandon Miller if you were drafting again? Yeah. Okay. Because that, that was like, I mean, kind of the consensus was scoot over Miller, and then the Hornets went the other way, and they got totally dragged for it. And and here we are, and it's like, eh, Brandon Miller, actually pretty good. I watched uh, I watched last night's It's Timberwolves-Hornets game, and – Miller, like he's got some mid post games. I don't, I don't know they hit much, but I like the fluidity and the movement and getting into the shot. And then he had one catch and shoot three where uh, Kyle Anderson closed out. And Kyle Anderson's got good length and size, but it, it just it wasn't even a contest. Um, Miller got up on the jump shot, and his head was above uh, Anderson's hands. Like that's that's really hard to stop. He's not making them at a great clip yet, 
but I'm kind of seeing what what Charlotte was seeing. I think we we may owe Michael Jordan an apology. Wow, his parting gift, the best player from <laughs> the 2023 draft class, Brandon Miller. I wanted to repivot back to our top 100 just really quickly, and just a huge, a massive miss we had. Um, number 45, Andrew Wiggins. Now I don't mm. blame us. Obviously, that was like, I think that was a very reasonable placement, and his play has been awful for for reasons i can't comprehend for reasons i can't really find but he just he hasn't been scoring well and he just stopped rebounding entirely um he doesn't he never really facilitated but he especially isn't now and what do do we feel like where's our wiggins stock at we feel like he can still come back into his form or is he just is he uh he's struggling for real i i mean i i've been the champion of the wiggins bandwagon for a while i think he can come back i think he he had a really good game um was it two games ago Nick in Sacramento. Uh, I was there. Yeah. I watched that shit happen. <laughs> um, so no, he was great. He was great in that game. I, I think he, he can fully bounce back. Uh, I think not. I think Dylan actually hit the nail on the head with not having the ball in his hands as much with Chris Paul being in a round has really affected him. As soon as Chris Paul went out, he had that really good game. Just got to say, I read an article from, I don't remember what it was or whatever, probably some anonymous source. But that the Warriors were disappointed with Wiggins' conditioning, that he's mm. just very out of shape, like he's not in game shape. And that's like you know, like one thing that you could say is like maybe an explanation is he's just mm. not in shape at all. Like he's just gas. That's why he sucks on defense and he can't hit a shot. He's just out of shape. He hasn't been practicing or whatever. Um, yeah, he so, would do that. But that, that is, yeah, yeah. But like that is something that can fix itself, you know. You, you look at Luka Doncic. He works his way into shape every year. Um, maybe Shaq this is the it. Andrew Wiggins. Exactly. This is the Andrew Wiggins path. That's got to keep him out there, keep him running and he'll, um, stop one of the most random fall offs in recent NBA vintage. I feel like that would make so much sense though. If he did just start sucking again, like that, that would make sense. <laughs> I mean, he's very Andrew Wiggins, right? <laughs> yeah. He was terrible for like, for like six years in Minnesota. He went yeah, to it, State. Actually it was one of the, was one of the biggest like turnarounds from like being really bad yeah. to being really awesome. Like he was like inefficient ISO scorer who did nothing and then just became like elite role player, defensive mm-hmm. God and spot up shooter. And so, yeah, like this is the regression to the mean of those two. I mean, it feels like sometimes we see players like go out to prove people wrong. And then Wiggins is kind of the ultimate example of that, of he was not good in Minnesota. I mean, Game of Zones freaking made a joke about like, oh, it's, is that his heart that got ripped out of his chest? Nope, it's too big. Like, eh, it might have been about cats, come to think of it. But like, it, it, you could say it about either of them, is that neither of them had the drive or the intensity and like he gets to Golden State and he actually tries and is really good. And if he just bounces back to what everyone said about him beforehand, wouldn't be the biggest shock. But I, I still believe that he won't do that. His current numbers are 13 points per game, four and a half boards, 1.2 assists. Which at that point, it's like that's like accidental assists. Like you dropped it and it's like, oh, Steph <laughs> just shot it from there. Um, 43% from the field, 27% from three, 59% from the line. I remember making videos about Minnesota Wiggins because people were like, people on TikTok had said oh, he was 20 points per game. Like he's, he was this great player in Minnesota. It's like, well, I clearly didn't watch that happen. Um, and, and the point was, I mean, he was getting 20 points per game, but he was, he rebounded like a guard. He facilitated like a center. And so all he really had was scoring and he was one of the worst efficiency scorers in the league. And you kind of had basically nothing you liked. 
maybe that maybe we're back again. Maybe this is it. This is the real Wiggins piece. Uh, I was kind of looking uh, at some of the guys that maybe have outperformed some of our projections, and a lot of them uh, actually just looking you know, are have the commonality of playing in Minnesota. Uh, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, Carl Anthony Towns, all kind of jumping up in my quick statistical model. They've also been a fantastic defense, and they've gotten a couple of wins in a row now without Anthony Edwards. Have any of you guys watched much Minnesota? Have I watched Minnesota? Watch much Minnesota. You got Minnesota tapes? Oh, sure. What are we? I, I They're great. Like we, <laughs> we came into this. We dropped uh, Rudy Gobert. Um, you know, we, we put him all the way down at 52. Carl Anthony Towns at, at 36, probably a bit too low. Um, you know, 24 All-Stars. Maybe actually at this point, a lot of times we got like 28 All-Stars because of injury replacements. But Cat, I've loved his aggression. I loved seeing him catch and either immediately shoot or catch and drive. Like the decision-making seems to be quicker. He's not as um, as hesitant to either make a play or a pass. And there were some big-to-big pick-and-rolls between him and Gobert. It just left Mark Williams being like, guys, I am I am Mark freaking Williams. I cannot guard both of these guys at the same time. And you know, I really enjoyed Gobert's aggressiveness and rolling. And then Mike Conley... Is he having a career best in assist to turnover ratio? I think I think it's been really insane. What is he? Six point two assists to less than one turnover. Or um, just just fantastic playmaking. A true steadying of the ship. Still got it. Still got it. We had him in our top one hundred. That was right. This is the best Wolves team ever. Ever. The wow. 4 team is really good, right? It's they they won fifty plus games and MVP Garnett. But uh, man, this the the Wolves team has good shot makers at the end they have a crushing defense a ton of size nas reed they have nas reed six man of the year no <laughs> no <laughs> come on Aaron. no we're gonna have to have this conversation at some point it's, it's not malik just monk. malik monk it's obviously malik monk <laughs> he's the only one with this kind of offensive responsibility what odds would you give me that's not malik monk at the end of the year it's Malik Monk. Everyone's going to understand eventually. He's going to have so many 20-point games and clutch game winners. And it's like, okay, all right, it's Malik Monk. There's nothing, there's nothing else to say. It's Malik Monk. He's the best scorer off the bench. He's the best facilitator off the bench. And he's the clutchest player off the bench as well. Yeah. Okay, I'm down for it. Thank you. Put some put some respect on Malik Monk. Dylan said. I will say, looking at some of the other guys that kind of outperformed just in the quick statistical model poll, um, it's been a lot of the kind of the more steady, stable guys. Like, you know, Stalin Sheenis is looks better or in the, in the numbers. Tobias Harris has kind of returned to form. Jared Allen, Mitchell Robinson, um, Clint Capella, guys we didn't even rank, but have kind of moved up a bit in, in the rankings. It's from where, where we would have had them. Just, just an interesting tidbit for people who want to do this. But like maybe not get too hyped about some of the young guys. You know, some of our biggest swings and misses were Ivy, were Josh Giddy, were a few other Giddy. young guys. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Messed up on the Giddy stuff. Yeah. We also thought he was higher than should be. I had nothing to say. <laughs> I have nothing I have nothing I to add. You've got to go like um Scotty Barnes though. You know, like yeah. there, there are some young players who did jump up a lot. Maybe Walker Kessler will be a little bit premature on him. We did we Rank Walker. Did we want Rank Walker? Of course, he was like Kessler, the best yeah. defensive center in the league last year. <laughs> Walker Kessler. We did rank him. I don't believe. Um, I don't believe he played enough games to get in my statistical model. Another thing. Uh, maybe he did. I don't know. 
So it was sort of like points initially. So maybe just hadn't shot enough enough to pull in those numbers. But yeah, nine. He's basically having the exact same season he had last year. Um, but last year he started poorly and then really ramped up. They weren't playing him initially, and then like there's a progression upwards. And so it's weird that he's now in that median spot where it's still nine points, eight boards, two and a half blocks, and coming off the bench again. Yeah, maybe we jumped the, the gun a little bit. Yeah, Omar Yurt seven starting. He was great last night, though. 15 rebounds, clutch blocks. Does Anthony Simons get the award for player ruined most by a tanking team? I mean, he's been hurt. Yeah, He's been hurt, but he if the Blazers were good, he had been playing a month ago. He would have been playing. That was like a a two-week thing, three-week thing. They're going to fix up his thumb, and it was going to be all right, and now he's going to be out until February. Yeah. Didn't Sabonis play like the whole year with a broken thumb, and then Anthony Simons is like, oh, no, I I don't want to play (laughs) Well, Sabonis, yeah, he tore a ligament, but it's like he can still play with it. If he gets surgery, he can't. And Simon's elected for surgery, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so, and then the Blazers, Blazers probably tore that ligament themselves. Like in the middle of the night, yeah. just walked in and yanked on his hand really hard. And it's like, you're getting surgery and we're going to win 15 like, okay, games this year. They're like, okay, you've got a choice. You can either play for the Blazers or you can get surgery. He's like, yeah, surgery, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, the surgery looks like it was supposed to be a six-week return. Which would be end of next week at this point, uh, so we might see him soon. I feel like you gotta run him out there for a little bit, maybe just even to like try to have some trade value. I don't think they're in any fear of not being a bottom four team. Like they are, they are gonna no, they're get locked in. Yeah, there's also, a, I mean, a fair number of teams that are actually trying. Like Chicago, for some reason, always thinks they not have a chance. Long. Not for long. <laughs> <laughs> what's interesting is like i think the the blazers are worse than charlotte but charlotte just lost Lamelo for a, a long a long mm. period of time and so it's they're gonna be they're gonna struggle to win games um charlotte has an interesting aaron or uh, aaron, uh gordon hayward salary uh is expiring this year pretty mm-hmm. decent deal uh he moves the ball well well could be a nice connecting piece for for a team that, that put together a package for him I, I don't know entirely what they do, but I, I'm kind of just watching a lot of these teams and thinking, all right, who who is the tradable assets on them? Who on these bad teams is going to hit the market? Because I, I think there's a fair number of teams that will become sellers at the deadline. Toronto, maybe, ever in their history? Will they ever do that? <laughs> I mean, the big one's Chicago. The big one's Chicago, and it's it's the Caruso sweepstakes. I just I don't think anyone wants their other players. I, I think you almost have to package Caruso with one of the other guys to move them. Like, otherwise, you're, I mean, Chicago doesn't want to give up an asset to move to Mark DeRozan, and that's that's probably what it would take. Um, Levine. I could picture DeRozan getting something back just because he isn't expiring, but I had convinced myself that Levine would be worth it for Sacramento, and then he threw up like some of the worst games of his life, and now I'm out. I'm out again. That I'm not interested. <laughs> He's worse than Malik Monk. You don't want him taking his minutes. I agree. At this point, I agree. <laughs> if Malik Monk was given those minutes and that kind of shot, those kind of shots, he could he could score twenty points on the worst efficiency in the league. Let's see, just pulling up uh, the the Kings cap situation right now because the other big thing with Levine is Levine is making 40 million uh this year and I think that goes up to 48 in 26 27 yeah it's, it's got four more years on it so to hit Levine's salary where we're putting in Harrison Barnes um you would not give up that straight team. up for Levine right no I would I would I would okay so if you give up Herder and Harrison Barnes you're still 
$7 million away. So let's go ahead and toss in Davian Mitchell. Uh, that yeah. gets you up, up to 38. That's that's probably close enough. Would you make a trade? It's not. Harris- you need more. <laughs> <laughs> Bards, Herder, Davion. Yeah, I get, I could be convinced. I would definitely convince myself that that isn't the worst deal in the league, even though it probably is. And then if you're Chicago, <laughs> does this deal help you enough to make... Like, this deal doesn't... It, it resets your cap space, basically. Although Barnes has three more years, Herder has three more years. These are long-term deals. You probably don't want to do this if you're Chicago, because now you've got broken up pieces. Maybe you can resell them at some point, but I just, I, I don't see the trade out there right now. Come on, Nate. You know it's the Lakers. You know it's the <laughs> D'Angelo and Rui. Man, the Lakers have the contracts to make it happen. The thing with the Sacramento deal is like, why why do the Bulls take that? I, I have to like scrap together all of our worst D'Angelo, assets. D'Angelo, Rui, and Austin Reeves. I would trade Reeves for... I, you, you could for, convince For Levine me. and Caruso. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> D'Lo, Reeves, and Hachimura for Levine and Caruso. That's a great deal. Bring, I mean, just to bring Caruso back to Los Angeles. I'll take it. I do want to bring Caruso back, but uh, at this point, if I can get... I can get Caruso for D'Lo, absolutely. Um, but Levine at that salary, at that, right, like, no, it just doesn't do anything for me. He's already a guy that deals with apathy issues. He's 28. Do we think he's going to get better? No. I'll, I'll keep Reeves. Caruso's great. Oh, who are you talking about? Uh, Levine or Caruso? Uh, Car- Levine. Do not want Levine. Gotcha. Uh, Caruso. If we can get Caruso at a, at a reasonable price, absolutely. Is uh, is DeMar DeRozan, is the DeMar DeRozan trade better or worse than the Westbrook trade that the Lakers made? Would that be the spacey, the same thing? Uh, the star yeah. player that needs the ball that can't space the floor? This is great. Yeah. I hope you guys make that deal. No, <laughs> this is awesome. I love, that, that I love the Lakers because they will make some trade. They'll make some dumb trade. We, we do make a trade every year. Mm-hmm. Zubac but, for uh, Mike Muscala. Was that it, right? Yeah. That was yeah, the deal? Yeah. 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 Mm. I mean, I take huge the huge walk they have at, like the Chinese restaurants. Like that's them, that's them cooking, cooking up the zoo bots for like the scholar trade. <laughs> All right, I want to re- I want to refocus this back to the the top one hundred conversation. Um, because I got a couple of names, but who are some of the names that were not in our top one hundred that you guys think maybe should have been or who have really outplayed and deserve some consideration. I'd have to think. I have to think who did it. It's hardest to think who didn't make it, given yeah. that that's an abs- an absence of a name. Did Malik Monk make our list? Can we nah, just go back to that? No, nah, I don't think he did. There you go. That's my answer. Malik Monk should be on there. Oh, Russell Westbrook. Come on, guys. No. No. We're talking to you guys about Jalen Suggs. Uh, oh, yeah. No, that's a good one. Suggs is yeah. great. Suggs is really good. Um, maybe to put Tobias Harris back in. I don't think he made ours at all. Well, Tobias Harris did. actually did he? I don't think so. No, Toby was just out on the outside. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's that's a that's an oversight. No Tobias, no Clint Capella, no Emmanuel Quickly, uh, no Kyle mm, Lowry. a good one. Nah, no that's Collins. I don't care. Those guys aren't in it, right? The Kyle Lowry's no Kyle Lowry's not in it. Kyle's had, we had Mike Conley in there. Games. We did get Mike Conley in there back in the eighties. Respect, respect. Uh, you know, th- there are some some guys who have played fairly well, well that, that we didn't have in there. So just, just asking Ooh, if you guys Devin, have any of the Devin thoughts. Vassell? Yeah, I argued didn't for have Vassell. Them in there. Yeah. Um, you know I, who I was right about, though? You know who I was dead on? Herb? DeAndre Aiden. Didn't want him in. Mm, mm. 100%. Ah, Great call. Thank you. Yeah, 
I, I argued for um, Quentin Grimes. I thought this was going to be the breakout year. This has been like oh, an absolutely year from hell for Grimes. Uh, back down to six points, barely hitting his threes, 35%, down from 38, 8.6. Like, rough year for my Grimes stock. Hmm. It's like they just don't want him to shoot for some reason. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like still they just don't, five they just don't want to but... give him the ball. Hmm. A team captained by Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson is having issues sharing the ball? Who who saw that one? What? That's crazy talk. We probably should have gotten Herb in there. Um, I don't think D'Lo would have been the craziest person to put in there. Really? You didn't put Herb Jones in there? Yeah. You know what's funny is early in the season we mentioned how we should have put Ben Simmons in there and now he's fucking hurt again. It's just like, ah, we got that right. (laughs) I, I think I mentioned it's like now like Simmons might be able to scrape the top a hundred and then uh and now he's uh has like just got a backup draw or something. Yeah. You know, the back issues are are really starting to stack up for Ben Simmons, which does kind of make me feel a little bit better about how everything ended in Philly. Um like like there was a point where it's like, is he just completely apathetic? Is he faking this back injury? Where is it? Um but then you saw like Brooklyn's like, no no, he had if he has a back injury last year. Now He's got back injury again this year. Mm. Like the back injury stuff may have been more serious than we ever believed back in the day. It also makes the other stuff weird that like he wouldn't play and then like tried to put it on like mental health reasons. It's like, no, you have a bad back. Just say that you can't play because you have a really messed up back. Like, why do you need to bring in this hard to argue mental health stuff? Like you've got a bad back. You can't play. Just roll with that. I, I think that might be a little bit because if you say I've got, a bad back. Maybe other teams it's, it's don't verifiable. want to Yeah, and then like other places oh, don't want right, to trade yeah. for you and you want to get yeah, out of here. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, where you're like, oh, he's just miserable because he's playing in Philly. He'll be fine once he gets to us, but yeah. yeah. He's got a, a um, you know, chronic back issue is, is probably a bigger red flag. Well, boys, an hour on top 100. Uh, I did have one more question, just uh, sure. on some of the top 100 guys. Some of the guys who struggled last year, we kind of were, we, we knocked them down a bit this year, but they've not hit that level. Chris Middleton, Clay Thompson, we had Middleton at 50, we had Clay at 72. Even to some degree, like we put Draymond Green at 39, which I think is showing him a lot of deference and respect there. Where do you guys think they'll be next year? Man, the issue is they still like do. Draymond's still a great defensive player, and Clay still like takes threes at a, or makes threes at a really high level. I think they'll be in it, right? I mean, like, I can't imagine. And Draymond, the thing with Draymond's age, he doesn't, like, he loses a step, but now he gets to, like, fight people, and he can just punch them to stop them offensively. He doesn't have to actually play any defense. Um, and so with that as an advantage, yeah, I could, I could see him still being in, like, the top 60. That's my elite analysis. Uh, he's still a good defensive player. I mean, I don't, yeah, he's struggled with staying on the court this season in terms of getting ejected and technical fouls and attacking people. I'm getting close to the point where I'm I'm ready to push for the Sarich Looney starting duo over Draymond. Man, I'm not there. Warriors have like the worst rim protection in the league with Draymond starting at the center. Yeah, you can't play center he, anymore. He, he doesn't have it anymore. Doesn't have the athletic ability, but like that's why they have Looney, and we knew that he doesn't have like death lineup potential anymore. Essentially, he can't be a part of that. Um, they just don't have. It. I mean, Clay Thompson. I love Clay Thompson. He takes the worst shots at the end of games. Um, and I eat that shit up, man. I, I hate the Warriors. Um, <laughs> but if you're still looking for like heat check threes and a ton of made threes, and I mean, he's your guy still. And th- threes, uh, threes make the world go round. All right. Well, then, uh, we wanted to introduce kind of a new gimmick uh, because the season was long and 
does kind of bog down after a bit. So we are introducing this episode, spinning the wheel for what team to watch next week. Woo! Team of the week. Team so, of the week. So to clarify, this is going to be our team of the week, the team that we watch all their games, we dig into their stats, we really focus on them, we do a deep dive to bring a level of analysis that we cannot bring across all 30 teams every week. And this week, who will that team be? Spinning the wheel, spinning the wheel. All right. Toronto, Toronto Raptors. All right. Get ready for some Toronto Raptors talk next week, folks. You guys want to hear our thoughts on Scotty Barnes, on Dennis Schroeder, on uh, Pascal Siakam? This is, this is where we come for it. It was almost the Kings. So close. Just a couple spaces <laughs> off. <laughs> um. I actually did a random deep dive on the Raptors on this one specific thing as I was looking at Scotty Barnes and how the offense for some reason just isn't good when he's on, but when you put Gary Trenton instead of him, it becomes really good. And you think that that's like shooting, but it's not. It's just for some reason when Gary Trenton, they get a whole bunch of offensive rebounds. It's really weird. Hmm. Interesting. All right, maybe we'll pick that up in our uh, team. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go watch all of Gary Trenton's offensive box out film. <laughs> all right. Well, that's what you'll be doing for the next week. Uh, Aaron, where can the people find you? Possible chairs on TikTok, this podcast all the time, and watching Raptors games. Dylan, other than digging into the Gary Trent on-off numbers, what you going to be doing? Um, what am I going to be doing? Hey, we got we got mid-season tournament um, playoffs. Yes, that's sir. true. Kings-Pelicans on uh, Tuesday, Monday, tomorrow. Let's go. See, see if my um, Herb Jones for in-season tournament MVP pick is going to come through. Ooh. How bad will the odds be for the Knicks? Think, uh, think I get like 10 to 1 odds on the Knicks? Yeah. That that might be a good bet too. But like single single game is like anything can happen. Bet the underdog in every game. You'll make, you'll, you know, someone's going to make money. 30 leg parlays only. I only do 30 leg parlays. Listen, if my $5 can't win me 20 grand, I'm not betting them. <laughs> For legal reasons, also, I um, cannot give financial advice, so just don't want to put in that caveat. I can give financial advice. <laughs> 30 lake parlays. <laughs> it's illegal to bet in California. I'm not actually doing it. Yeah. Check, <laughs> check your state gambling laws. Yeah, email us. Hoopsimplegmail.com. If you got questions, comments, you want to talk to us, we love getting emails at the bottom. Have a great week.